As I was doing some research and had some conversations with CircuitStream, I realized that they were an educational provider for immersive technology and real-time 3D training. And after some chats with them, I found it would be a great, great way to get in at the forefront of this technology, pioneering the way as it's still relatively fresh for a lot of people. And I like to think, you know, being a part of what the internet was back in the day, a pioneer of the internet, today a pioneer of this technology extended reality. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm back with my co-host, Brad Garner. Hey, Brad. Hey, Tiffany. We have a new guest today that we're so excited from CircuitStream. We're bringing on Stefan Lachina. Stefan Lachina joins us from Alberta, Canada. Stefan is a partnerships manager for CircuitStream. CircuitStream has reached and educated over 45,000 people around the globe on how to create and manage virtual reality and augmented reality applications and supported hundreds of organizations to create, implement, and scale XR technology. Stefan and CircuitStream have partnered with some of the world's top universities to deliver Unity XR development and design education to motivated learners while developing more creators for the future of our workforce. Stefan is an experienced partnership and sales executive. He earned a master's degree in management and international business and a bachelor's degree in communication and media studies. Advancing his communication repertoire even further, Stefan is proficient in seven languages. Yes, seven. Join me in welcoming to the podcast, Stefan Lachina. Welcome, Stefan. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me today. Yeah, and how this podcast connection came about was actually our podcast producer behind the scenes, Mike Joan, does some work with CircuitStream as he explores VR and XR technology. So we are just so excited that we have someone from CircuitStream joining us today, especially excited that it's you. For those that didn't uh, hear what I said in the bio section, this gentleman speaks seven languages. Seven, right? Has that number grown or changed? <laughs> no, that, that's right. I mean, a lot of the languages are, are very similar, if not yeah. exactly the same, but uh, you you hit the nail on the head there. Well, I just think that's so fun. Wow. Yeah. But we struggle with English. We do struggle with English. <laughs> I was thinking that same thing. Actually, on a walk with my daughter the other day, she knows one through 10 in Spanish. And she said, can you teach me more foreign language? And I said, no, honey, I can't. <laughs> Nothing like turning down this amazing learning opportunity that we had together. But man, I got to work on that. So is that a skill that you recognized early on that you have the ability to learn multiple languages? That's it. I mean, my family comes from former Yugoslavia. So naturally, we spoke Serbian Bosnian, Croatian, Montenegro, and they're all quite similar at home. But as they were fleeing the conflict in Yugoslavia, I was born in France before moving to Canada. So that's why they put me into French immersion courses mm. uh, throughout my childhood. So where in Yugoslavia, if I might ask? So all over the place, really. My father was born in Serbia, raised in Croatia, whereas my mother was born in Bosnia and raised in Bosnia as well. 
I've spent many, many hours, weeks, months in Livno, Bosnia. Ah, uh, yes. Beautiful place. It is. It is. Actually, I believe the person who developed our website, right, Brad, is from that region as well. The person yes. who developed the digital plan website. Yes. So they're more connected than we realize. <laughs> <laughs> We have a few more get to know you questions. We're going to find out a little bit more about Stefan today. And the first one is, you know, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much research to see that you have a hobby sport or something. Tell us a little bit about your interest in water polo. Ah, uh, yes, water polo. It's been a big part of my life. Have you heard of water polo before? heard of it, but still needed to go beyond just Google and into Google photos to really get a feel for <laughs> for what that looks like. <laughs> yeah. So as I was mentioning earlier, my family comes from former Yugoslavia and the sport was very popular there. I started swimming at a very young age, two years old, believe it or not, is when they put me in the pool. And as we were growing up, we went camping as a family. I'd love to play in the lakes, throwing frisbees and balls around. And naturally, they thought it'd be a great fit to put me into water polo as I loved swimming and playing sports. Grew up you know, playing water polo. I trained in Calgary here in Canada since I was seven years old, a younger athlete playing up with older age groups. And I was the captain of Team Alberta for about three, four years, if I'm not mistaken. And I had the opportunity. Wow. Yes, I had the opportunity to train with the senior men's national team at 14 years old. So that was a great experience at such a young age. I trained with the 2008 Beijing Olympic team. I think I might have been 15 or 16 years old then. Never nice. went to the Olympics. Yes, I never went to the Olympics. But nonetheless, it was a great experience to be training alongside uh, Olympians, and then hearing their stories coming back from Beijing. So are there opportunities for water polo enthusiasts to become professional at that? Of are course. professional water polo team? That's right. There is. There are opportunities. It's not as big here in North America as it is in Europe. A lot of the professional clubs and the higher paying salaries do come out of the European League there. But I, I do know that the sport is a little more popular in the U.S. than it is in Canada. I think there are quite a few high schools and universities, colleges, NCAA teams that, uh, that are involved with water polo as well. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. No. So you were, no. you were a child prodigy. I'd like to think so, but I don't want to <laughs> toot my own horn here. We'll do it for you. That's our job. <laughs> <laughs> what's the difference between vr and xr and so a vr is a part of xr xr is an umbrella term which means extended reality and it encompasses all three i guess you could say virtual reality augmented reality and mixed reality so xr is a very simple term to really highlight and capture all of the technologies and and the industry involving those those tools there so this is completely in a different direction. Your favorite VR app or XR technology, what do you like to do the best? That's a great question, Brad. My favorite VR app is a mix of various apps coming from games and, and social spaces for the moment, mm. from Beat Saber and Half-Life Alex for games to Altspace and Horizon Worlds for social mm -hmm. spaces and interacting with others. Brad, do you know what the first two are? 
No. I have no idea. Me either. And it just makes me, no. it's a good plug for us to Google on the side. That's why you're here is to, to help us <laughs> get in this world and understand what we're missing and how we can use this best in the learning space. So. Well, happy to elaborate on, you know, why those are kind of my favorite there, if, uh, if, if you'd like. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, please do. Please do. Definitely. Beat Saber itself is, for those who are listening, similar to Dance Dance Revolution, DDR, where you're trying to, you know, hit the squares and the tiles at the same time as the beat and the song that's playing. And I find Beat Saber is a great game to introduce others to virtual reality for those who are new to this technology and show them how fun it is and how physical virtual reality itself can be as you're moving and swinging your arms to the beat of the tiles that are going around. And to touch on more of those social spaces that I mentioned, Alt Space and Horizon Worlds, those are also other experiences I like to share with others and to show them when they first try VR really illustrating how someone can create, share, and explore a growing catalog of virtual worlds and experiences. So for instance, if you want to sit around a fire and chat with others in VR, or perhaps go to a house party or club from the comfort of your own home, maybe even putting your vocal skills to the test in front of a live audience and judges in American Idol VR. There's so much to do and to experience with others from around the globe. I would love to see Brad do American Idol in VR. <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> but I think we do need to make a confession. Our colleague, Mike Jones, is a huge VR XR fan. But I think it's only fair to our audience to let them know that Mike Jones doesn't really exist. We what? created him. So all of the things that he says and thinks are things that we have programmed him to say and think. He has no opinions of his own. And But oddly, he's kind of turned this around on us at work because he is a huge advocate for these things mm -hmm. and is trying to convince everyone that this is the way we should go. So he's kind of gotten out of control, even though we made this invention. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love it. I think you also asked me potentially what my favorite VR app or XR technology, because the two yes. are kind of different in a way. Um, so I, I mentioned some of the more so of those VR games and social spaces I enjoy and that I find are my favorite. But regarding XR technology itself, I think glasses and other smaller devices will be the next most popular way forward to get even more adoption of this technology. We've already seen the devices get smaller, more accessible, convenient to wear, but that next step is really glasses. You know, no one's going to walk out with a headset outside on their heads, but more so something smaller on their faces that's more convenient to wear. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, for instance, Apple building their own glasses and seeing what they come out with, because as we all know, when Apple comes up with something, the whole world tends to jump on it or at least look at it. So. That'll be a big step forward. And for the listeners here, uh, Mojo Vision, building contact lenses. Tiffany, Brad, are you familiar with Mojo Vision by chance? Thanks to Mike Jones, the being that we created, we are. We are. I think he shared, didn't he, Brad, that he may need contacts. Go ahead and expand for us. Tell us about Mojo Vision. Definitely. Mojo Vision. I'm really looking forward to 
to trying this myself one day, depending on how they implement it. But they're building augmented reality contact lenses for a variety of different things that someone can use for. Now, depending on how someone is to use the lenses, it may be a little invasive procedure. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you'll just put them in or if they'll perform some sort of operation to slide these into your eye. But nonetheless, just goes to show what kind of devices and technologies are coming out, the Mm -hmm. innovations. And as I was mentioning, the next step to really get more buy-in from this technology is to have smaller devices. So whether they're glasses or contact lenses, really a big step forward for this industry technology and those interested in it. I was watching the movie, The Batman last night. Okay. And in this movie, he has some contact lenses. He takes them off, puts them on a device, and it has recorded everything that he's seen, and it plays it back for him. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not sure if the lenses themselves will have a recording feature. I know that might be an invasion of privacy. You know, for instance, that's why Google Glass ran into some issues <laughs> when they had initially released them. I haven't caught the movie, the new movie Batman yet, but I assume that it follows very similar ideas and, and paths with, with the tech. How close are we to that world becoming an essential part of our culture? I mean, technology and the devices are being developed already, and they'll be coming out within the next couple of years, few years, if not within the next year. So we'll see the devices available or for ourselves and for the consumers very soon. How soon will it be adopted? That's the question. There's a lot of data and statistics pointing towards 2030 being a big year where all this technology becomes mainstream. So the devices are coming out, but in terms of when everyone will probably have it in their hands or access to it, we'll probably see that within the next several years or so. Probably depends who you talk to, their reaction to all of this, right? Like either it's very captivating and exciting or it's a little scary and fearful and unknown. And so with that in mind, you know, you move into the education space now and in higher ed, there's already so many enrollment challenges and some concerns coming out of the pandemic about teaching online versus hybrid, just modality questions. Um, they're already faced with so much. And then they hear things about the XR world and, and could easily think, oh, that's a whole nother thing for us to consider. And where do we even begin? Like it can feel kind of overwhelming, especially when there's competition for resources. You know, what makes sense to put our resources in the space? How do students learn best? That's the key question. How can we use these tools to actually influence learning? So when it comes to education, have you seen... XR or specifically VR used really well or effectively in that space? In the education setting, uh, XR enables students to learn in ways they've never been able to do before. For instance, it could be teaching kindergartners about the solar system or showing human anatomy to Mm -hmm. high school students, all the way up to training medical aspirants to perform life-saving surgical operations or even from our experience, manufacturing floor employees working with heavy machinery and dangerous chemicals. So there's been a big impact of XR in education. And the potential to replicate real life situations provides 
XR with the benefit of surpassing any possible limit. And clearly you can't send a class of second grade students on a field trip to the moon, at least not in the real world. <laughs> but with a basic VR simulation, <laughs> they can start exploring the moon's surface within a matter of a few seconds. Yeah. I just read an article this morning. Actually, my husband right now is in therapy because he had surgery on his shoulder. And I saw an article this morning and sent it on to Mike where OT, where occupational therapists were at a local hospital with children, having the children put on VR goggles and doing their occupational therapy in the headset just to help motivate them, kind of walk them through, give them feedback. I mean, it was amazing what they could do with the headset for occupational therapy. So I told my husband he needs to put on a VR headset at home and just <laughs> do those stretches uh, in the headset. Well, that's it. You, you kind of touched up on it a little bit. XR and education can really instill you know, empathy in students, for instance, when they're using this mm -hmm. technology, as they can gain an understanding of real world problems that would be hard to conceptualize otherwise. And with this technology and XR, learners and students can build perceptions beyond the unimaginative statistics and facts that are typically just presented to them in a monotonous ways. Mm -hmm. So true. So how did you get started in this, this realm, this virtual world? I got started with this technology a few years ago, though I was exposed to it several years ago. I'm sure we've all walked through malls and seen those uh, little kind of chairs you can sit in with roller coaster simulations or, <laughs> or being underwater. So you put on a VR headset and you know the chair moves around as you're on the roller coaster, really immersing you within the experience. So I've seen it before, but never thought there would be an opportunity to be a part of it, at least here in Calgary, where I live. And luckily, as I was doing some research and had some conversations with CircuitStream, I realized that they were an educational provider for immersive technology and real-time 3D training. And after some chats with them, I found it would be a great, great way to get in at the forefront of this technology, pioneering the way as it's still relatively fresh for a lot of people. And I like to think, you know, being a part of what the internet was back in the day, a pioneer of the internet, today a pioneer of this technology, extended reality. Yeah. Yeah. So what is CircuitStream? Circus Stream specializes in immersive tech and real-time 3D training for the VR AR industry. And we offer a variety of different live and online educational programs from XR development to XR design with Unity programs to those who are looking to change their careers or pivot their careers with our Unity developer bootcamp that we recently launched. And Circus Stream is a strategic Unity training and channel partner. Our courses, workshops, and events provide learners with an in-depth skill set in XR design and development. And we train enterprises right down to the individual learner to really have the skills to develop and design for various platforms and for XR, while at the same time helping organizations develop their own talent and recruit talent for their XR projects and end motives. Now, since 2015, that's really when Circus Stream started. We've reached over 40,000 learners globally. We've partnered with some of the top universities in the world to deliver immersive education to as many passionate people around the globe. 
And we're really here to see the industry flourish and are always happy to support individuals, learners, professionals, leaders and enterprises with any initiatives to promote this technology further. As you described that, I was wondering, if you think about taking a course on creating XR, mm-hmm. I would imagine that's a pretty steep learning curve that requires a lot of hours of study and practice and guidance. So I'm wondering if one of the tipping points for XR becoming more common will be the time at which people can do things like they do now with YouTube or some of the apps that are available to create animated videos, just kind of plugging things in. As that becomes more available, will it be more likely that people will be attracted to it? Of course, definitely. It is a steep learning curve, though there is that misconception that it's just way too difficult to get in and learn these skills to be able to develop and design. And that's not really the case. Anyone can get into it from any background. It can be applied to various different industries, if not all industries out there. And as you were saying, one day it will become something where it is much more easier to access this type of education and learning through platforms like YouTube. There are already lots of resources out there on YouTube, various different websites that someone can explore. For instance, Unity Learn has a lot of great free content and material there to even going to check out some of Circus Stream's free workshops and webinars that we hold weekly as well, really to just to help introduce certain topics and help them overcome those misconceptions of, ah, I will never be able to get into it, but it is actually possible for anyone to do. We're gonna pause right here and we'll be back next week again with Stefan Lacini. So join us next week and also please be sure to check out our resources on the Digital to Learn website, digitaltolearn.com with a numerical two. See you next week. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.